So I'm going to speak to you for a few minutes on the thief on the cross. There's debate over who these people were on either side of the Lord, but in modern day terms, they would be regarded as terrorists. Some people thought they were called dagger men who used to go and assassinate important people. But they've been convicted of their crimes and hung on crosses. There were certainly people who you wouldn't want to associate with. You wouldn't want to knock it on your door. But we find that the Lord's last companion on earth and the Lord's first companion in heaven were one of these. Thieves, a thief, a murderer, or worse. And I want to speak to you really about the heart of Christ for sinners. The heart and mercy and tenderness of Christ. And I want to say to you this. If Christ at his weakest was willing to save a terrorist, what will he do for you now? What will he do for you now that he's defeated death? and hell and he's seated at the right hand of the Father you see, consider this on the cross Jesus was at his lowest the agony of having to bear the sins of the world had been revealed to him in Gethsemane and he looked into the cup that he had to drink of judgment and said Father if it's possible, can this pass? But not my will, but yours be done. He'd been betrayed in that garden by close friends. He'd been abandoned by close friends. He'd been before Caiaphas, Herod and Pilate. He'd been tortured severely and beaten badly. He'd been stripped naked and hung in shame, nailed to a cross to suffocate and die between two terrorists. He was at his lowest. He was physically broken. He had no dignity left. And the worst of all, he'd begun to feel the Father's presence turn away from him. Yet, he performs a miracle. <laughs> That's staggering. He displays, in this agony and brokenness, he displays gentleness and care to the most unworthy and disgusting of candidates. A thief. And I think this is like, a bit like an advert. You know, when you watch the TV and adverts come on, or you watch whatever you do, YouTube adverts come on. It's a bit like an advert, this scripture, I think. God wants it in Holy Scripture forever. 
like an advert. It's what Christ will do. And one thief says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And in his gentleness and tenderness of heart, he turned and says, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus invites anyone to come. Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he ever lives to make intercession for us. So if Christ in his weakest will do that, what is he willing to do now at his strongest? Oh, Christian, just don't despair. (laughs) Don't despair. Whatever trouble you face, whatever sin you have, listen, do not despair. Because Christ in glory hasn't changed his heart. His heart towards you is tender and meek and gentle and lowly. And he welcomes you, come. Come to the cross and find whatever you need. You see, the Lord is... I'm convinced of this. If ever I did a thesis, which I'll never do, couldn't do, but it would be on the tenderness and gentleness of Christ's heart. Because I'm convinced of this, that Jesus is far more merciful and far more gentle and far more tender and far kinder than we can ever estimate or imagine. You see, we judge tenderness and mercy and gentleness and kindness and goodness and love by our own standard. And at best, our hearts are cold and hard. But Christ's heart is different to ours. I love the Puritans. I think you know that. And they talk about judgment and punishment as being God's strange work. You can find that in Isaiah 28, 21. God's strange work. You know, judgment and punishment are alien to God. God's natural work is to forgive. God itches to pardon. The periods talk about God's forgiveness being his natural work. And God itches to forgive you. God itches to restore you. God itches to bless you. And here we get on the cross, you get a fleeting glimpse of the mercy of Christ. You know, when the thief said to him, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You get no hint of any hesitation in Christ's heart. As if it took him by surprise. I don't know how I'd have felt on the cross. I mean, if you weren't going to die for someone, who would it be, can I ask you? Would it be for a terrorist? (laughs) Maybe a family person? I could imagine that for grandkids. Maybe somebody famous, somebody somebody worthy, but a murderer? Or someone worse than that? Could you die for them? Christ did. And it didn't take him by surprise when the thief said, Lord, remember me. There was no hesitation in Christ's heart. No, just give me a minute, let me think about this. 
Just give me a minute. Let me get my breath. I'm in agony. No words like, you know, when someone asks you for something and you're a kid and you're a bit reluctant to share your sweets or whatever. And you say, well, go on then. (laughs) There was no, oh, go on then, on the cross. We can just read over these words because they're in print. And we can miss the heart of Christ. His response was instant and immediately willing to forgive. And he embraced a terrorist in all his heart. This encourages us. You know, no matter where you are in your world, um, Christ is so tender and able that he has a, a specific mercy to pour over your life even today. Is your heart a bit cold towards him? He's got a remedy for that. You know, he has a garden. In his garden, he grows promises. They're in the Bible. And he can take from his garden things to restore your world. Do you feel sinful? He's got a remedy for that. Do you feel a little bit ungrateful? He's got a remedy for that. No matter where you are, Christ has got a remedy that he'll pour over your life and swamp you with his goodness and gentleness and grace. It was only a call. Christ saves on a call. You know, for someone to get saved, they've got to go through all kinds of rituals. You know, they've got to pray a sinner's prayer and got this and then they go on a Bible course and have a look for the fruit in the world and that's all right. That's good. But do you know Christ saves on a call? Lord, he said, in my version here, he saw Christ as Lord. It's amazing this to me. This man who was a broken, naked wreck on a cross that was being disparaged and insulted by not only his mate, but all the authorities around him, the religious people, the political people, were all condemning this unrecognisable wreck of an individual. But this thief saw something. I don't know if I could have recognised who he was. But Christ, he saw Christ for who he was. And that's the key. Can you see Christ today for who he is? Lord of all. Faith arose in his heart and he called out in faith, Lord, remember me. It was just a call that awakened the heart of Christ. And it can be you in the night, it can be in the day, it can be in your car, it can be in your despair, it can be in your your exuberance and your joy. But Christ will respond to each call from your heart. Do you know that? He delights in your heart cry. He delights in the heart cry from the vilest individual. And he'll answer. He acknowledged his sin and he called out. He was nailed. This thief was nailed to a cross. It's 
So he couldn't do any good works for God. His hands were nailed. His feet were nailed. He couldn't run any errands of the gospel for God. He could bring nothing to Christ. Nothing. And maybe you feel, well, God would accept me if I could bring something. No. He answers a call. He responds to the call of your heart. Simply sees the expression of your heart and offers life. He was the Lord's last companion on earth. I just think it's amazing, this. You see, salvation is not a reward for the righteous. It's a gift for the guilty. Isn't that great? Well, I'll get excited for you. Doesn't matter. It's a gift for those who call, seeing him as Lord and embrace him. And the, the thief was the Lord's first companion in glory. Now, forgive me a bit of, a bit of imaginative license here. But he was the Lord's first companion in glory. He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Today. Paradise um, in the sort of those times was like a Persian garden. He was speaking of the afterlife. And the Lord promised him a position of honour. He said, today. And in my mind, I can see the angels watching. You know, the Bible says that when they crucified the Lord, the angels strained to understand what was going on. They couldn't work it out. They weren't party to it. They couldn't believe their eyes that the Son of God was dying on a cross after suffering great indignity and insults and shame and dishonour. And in the eyes of this world, disgrace. What was going on? But as he rose from the grave, they began to get a glimpse of what God was doing in salvation's plan. I can see them, you know, the Lord's, he's, he's, he's coming and he's away off. And the angels start to wonder, wow, he's risen, it's amazing, wow. And he's got someone with him, it's the Lord, I can see it's the Lord. And they're nudging each other, it's the Lord, he's coming. And they begin to speculate, who is it with the Lord? Who is this? The king of glory is bringing his, his, his first fruit. Someone is bringing in. And one says, I, I, can, I can say it's, it's, it's the meekest man in the world. It's, it's Moses. He's bringing. And the other, other angel says, no, it, Mo, he's, he's too tall for Moses. Moses isn't that big. Not Moses. He's not looking. Moses says, it's, it, it, it's the greatest servant in the world. It's, it's, it's got Daniel with him. And the angel says, oh, I'm looking at it. No, that's not Daniel. He's, he's a bit too stocky for Daniel. It's not Daniel. Who is it that he's got with him? And the other angel says, well, it's, it's the greatest prophet in the world. It's John the Baptist. It's John. He's bringing John. 
And as the Lord walks towards them with this person, they're laughing and rejoicing. He's got his arm around his shoulder. And it's a thief. It's a thief. Doesn't that encourage your heart? Do you know why it should encourage your heart? Because the thief was the sample of what God was going to do for the rest. If you brought a Moses or a Daniel or a John the Baptist, we could look and think, I don't measure up. The thief was an advert for what God was going to do in Jesus. And if there's a room for a thief on the Lord's arm, the place of honour and glory. If his salvation work can go that deep and redeem that far, that gives me hope. And it should give you hope that the Lord will answer your call when you see him as Lord. Another famous Puritan that I love, Thomas Brooks, said this. He said, there were two thieves. One was saved that none might despair. But one was lost that none might presume. You see, if we don't throw ourselves on God's mercy, and that's all it is, throwing ourselves on God's mercy. If we don't throw ourselves on God's mercy, then we'll find ourselves on God's judgment. Christ hung between heaven and hell. One saved that none might despair. One lost that none might presume. Heaven and hell are not far away. They're a lot closer than we think. So what I would say to you is this, don't delay. Don't risk it. The Bible says that now is the day of salvation. Now is the day to bow at the cross, repent and accept Christ. This thief realised his own sin. He took Christ for himself and we should do the same. St. Augustine said, a thief to be praised and wondered at who dared, as it were, to seize the Saviour as his own. Will you this morning, this good Friday morning, will you seize the Saviour as your own? Will you see your position before God suspended between heaven and hell? And make the call. Call on Christ. Seize him as your saviour. Come to the cross today. You can come physically. You can come in your heart. You can come quietly. You can come publicly. But will you come to the cross today? Because you'll find him there. You'll find him willing. You'll find him listening. You'll find him kind and gentle and tender to reach out and say to you, you will be with me in paradise.
The Holy Spirit can whisper those, heart, those words of comfort into your life. Even today, you can feel your sins fall away. You can feel Christ refresh and restore and rejuvenate and regenerate your heart. Can we just bow in prayer for one second? I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. And maybe you want to repeat this in your heart. It's just a call. Lord Jesus, in your mercy, pardon me. Forgive me. Embrace me. Receive me into your kingdom. Amen. We're going to have a time just of reflection now. John's going to come and the team are going to come and play some worship songs. We're almost at the close of our service. But I want to leave space for you. There are some here on the table, communion elements, the sealed. If you would like to, come and take one. Take it back to your seat. Consider the words of the scripture and the thief on the cross. See yourself before God. And spend some time. If you want to come and kneel at the cross, you can do that. If you want to come and drag a chair and sit down, you can do that. If you want to be prayed for, come to this side, please, and we'll pray for you. Happily do that. But as John and the team come and lead worship, I would encourage you just to make a physical step towards the Lord this morning and celebrate his death on the cross because it's for you and it's for you and it's for you. Bless you.